0: So this message is really born out of a Sunday school lesson in the adult Sunday school class. Some of you were here, uh, probably many of you. Uh, I'm not stealing that message. This is a, a different message, but the thought of this message really uh, came from that. I, I, guess, I guess it was two weeks ago, not this last week. Uh, we talked about serving one another. But in that lesson, I made a statement, it said, and I said this, perhaps serving one another best categorizes the essence of Christian ministry more than any other characteristic. And I still believe that. Uh, I think uh, serving is the greatest way that we can demonstrate that we're Christ-like. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. That's the example of our Savior, was to come and to minister and to serve. Uh, Listen, He took upon the form of a servant, did He not? When I was ordained as a deacon years ago at Faith Baptist Church in Spokane, I got a pen. I still have it. I didn't bring it tonight. Uh, But inscripted, inscripted, encrypted, it's not encrypted. It was very easy to read. Um, But they had etched on it these verses. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The creator of the world, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, humbled himself. He became a servant. If you're a Christian, if you claim Christ, if you say that you're a believer, uh, you are to be serving. In my notes, you can't see it. If you want to see afterwards, I'll show it to you. But there's an exclamation point after that. If you are not serving, I submit to you tonight that you're not a Christian. In the sense that you're not Christ-like. You may be a believer, but if you're not serving... You can't call yourself a Christian. Our Savior was a servant. So if you claim to be a disciple of Christ, you ought to be serving. Uh, and listen, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about serving in those things and, and doing ministry tonight. And, and by no means is this a rebuke. I, we have a lot of servants in our, in our congregation. Many folks that give of their time and their money and their talents and things. So this is by no means is a rebuke, but it's a challenge because I believe this. With all of my heart, if our church is going to go forward for the cause of Christ, we've got to get serious about being servants. We'll look at verse 16 in our text here in a moment. Uh, listen, if you're here to get fed and served, uh, praise God that that's happening, but that ought to not be your motive. Uh, hopefully we can bring, and listen, there will be people at that stage in our church that need ministered to, that that they need somebody to serve and and to do some things for them and to no doubt teach them. But the goal is not to stay there. The goal is to be brought along in in maturity uh, to the place where you're serving as well. Uh, And so, but again, it's not a rebuke tonight. Uh, It truly isn't. I recently came across this saying, saved people... Serve people. I like it. Saved people serve people. Listen, we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We love for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Boy, I got to do nothing. But the reality is in Christ we have been created unto something greater. We've been created to serve. Uh, we are new creatures, and, and part of that is laboring and serving our Lord. And, and that happens outwardly as we serve in the church, uh, and we serve one another, and we serve in our community. Uh, listen, a life that's withdrawn from service uh, to others will eventually lose its meaning. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to that are down and they're disappointed, and, and, and I'll even go as far as to say, is depressed and discouraged but they do nothing for the cause of Christ. They don't lift a finger to help anyone else. Listen, we were created to work. We were created to serve. And so when you don't fill that void in your life, you're going to get discouraged. God created us to do those things. He created us to serve. Uh, Listen, He has wired it into our hearts uh, to be useful and to have a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. Uh, it's, it's greater than just ourselves. Uh, listen, we must use our faith uh, for the good of others. If it's going, if we want to remain healthy and vibrant in the Christian life, listen, you can go home and you can read your Bible and, 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 and you can pray and do all those things that, that we ought to do. But if you don't get out and exercise your faith, it's dead. The Bible teaches that. And, and so tonight I just want to be encouraged. I'm just bearing my heart to you tonight. And I, Boy, I got 25 minutes, but I got like seven pages of notes here. Um, And I usually don't have that much. So I'm hoping I can get through this, but I just want to share my heart with you as I've recently come on staff here. And I just want to share where I think that if we can improve this area of our lives, of our Christian service, I think God can do more with our church than ever before. Look at me at verse 7. We see in verse 7 that Jesus gives grace to each one of his disciples. Listen, it's not grace to look good or to be in a position of promise, prominence, but grace to serve, grace to minister. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Listen, each one of us has been gifted in a different way than the other. And we ought to be using those gifts and in, in, in that grace that God's given us uh, to minister to, other, to others. Back down in, in or further down in our, our text here, in verses 11 and 12, and it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word ministry uh, just means really service there. Uh, and it may more specifically be, be targeting to those that are Uh, that are in full-time, what we would consider that. Uh, But listen, Paul gives us leaders in our churches. Excuse me, the Lord gives us leaders in our churches. Paul says this, is what I meant to say. Uh, The Lord gives them, the Lord calls people. But Jesus gives us, or God gives us leaders to equip the saints. That's every believer, right? So these people, our pastor is here to equip us to do the work of the ministry for the perfecting of the saints, that we can be more mature and able to serve and execute the ministry. Uh, Ministry is not reserved for a few trained professionals. By the way, I'm not a trained professional. Not in society's terms, I would say. Have you ever seen, I remember years ago, as a young kid, they would do all these crazy stunts and commercials to get your attention, buy my Chevy, buy my Ford. Nobody wants to buy a Dodge, but people do anyway, but, you know, but, you know, they they have all these slogans, right? But I remember this one where they were jumping across a bridge, it was like a drawbridge going up and it would jump across, and in the bottom of the screen, it would say, don't try this at home. These are trained professionals. Listen, that's not how our attitude toward ministry should be. Listen, you don't have to wait until you've completed college or uh, finished seminary. Listen, if God's burdened your heart to get busy about the things of God's go. some of us might have the attitude, I'm not going to minister now because I'm not a professional. I'm going to leave that to the professionals. Listen, God's filled this church with ministers, all of us. We ought to all be serving and laboring. Uh, Listen, God can train and prepare anybody for whatever He wants. We don't need the stamp of approval from a Bible college or from anyone else to say, hey, this is what it ought to be. Uh, If God has led you in a direction, you need to be obedient. I've been in places where leaders tend to monopolize the ministry opportunities. Well, if it ain't their way, it ain't happening. Uh, That's really not ministry. That's not church. Uh, God has brought us together. uh, I'll try not to get too far ahead of myself here, but God has brought us together. We don't go out and recruit. At least I don't. I've never heard pastor mention it's recruiting time. No, God brings people in. He brings the increase. We are just servants. We're just laborers. We just ought to be obedient to ministry. But God brings those people in. For us to accomplish all that God has for us to do as the church, as this called out assembly, we all need to be a part and do our part. Each one of us has something to do. That's how God's designed it. Verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Listen, this, we're a living organism. And we need all of our parts joined together doing their part. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We all need to be doing our part. Uh, listen, growth and maturing is centered on Christ, uh, and we ought to be growing up in Him. But this happens as each part is doing its part. Are you picking up what I'm putting down tonight? You guys look half dead. I know it's Wednesday. Um, listen, just bear with me. I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to put you to sleep, but I get it. I do understand. The, the week is long, and... And it's the evening, and now the sun stays up forever, so you can even get more work done. But um, listen, but we are only going to grow and, and, and reach greater heights for the cause of Christ as each one of us are doing our part individually. That's right. yep. And I get it. Sometimes there are hurting people. There are struggling people. People have physical struggles. People have spiritual struggles. We all have challenges, and so that's the opportunity as we gather together to encourage and strengthen and serve one another. Listen, I understand God's doing the work, but he's doing it through every one of us. If we're not doing our part, something's lacking. So that means when somebody decides to lay out, it affects the body. When somebody has sin in their life, it affects the rest of the body. And so we need to be very careful and take that seriously. Listen, if I get an infection in my pinky, I'm not just going to ignore it until it gets to my elbow. No, you want to deal with it as soon as you can. I had a, a nail that I guess it was an ingrown nail, and I plucked that thing out, and my finger swelled up. I'd never seen it do that. I've heard of it, but it finally happened to me a while ago. And it looked hideous. It was infected, and you could feel it. It was swollen and hot and disgusting. I thought, boy, I better do something about this before that creeps up my arm and into my brain and kills me. (laughs) Listen, we need to be serious about the things that we allow in our body, in the church. Listen, and so if you're allowing something in your life that doesn't honor God and is not pleasing to Him, you're affecting the rest of us because we're one body. Lord, help us to live a life that is honoring to him. We ought to be a wholly separated people. We ought to look different than those around us. Listen, God wants us all to take our spiritual gifts out and put them to work serving others. And listen, again, many are doing that here. I'm grateful for a church. We have many servants here. And again, this isn't a rebuke, but listen, the reality is there's a work for all to do. It's not that we need more volunteers in the nursery, on the vans, in Sunday school class or elsewhere. Those things may be true. And I'm just saying this up front. I don't want you to signing up to do something that you absolutely hate doing. That's not what this is about tonight. This is about our, our mission as a church. And, and serving others is a, a really a valuable way that we can grow and do better. One of my favorite things about this church is when we got here and you guys fed the van kids. I don't think I've ever seen that anywhere else. That's ministering. And I have a soft spot for van kids because my wife is a bus kid. And I worked in the bus route for, uh, for about five or six years uh, before I, I left and joined the Air Force. But, but listen... We ought to be ministering and meeting the needs of the people around us. If Brother Jones doesn't mind, I'll bring up our prayers tonight. Listen, we both prayed for those van kids tonight, and we thank God that we can minister to their physical needs, but we prayed that we could meet their spiritual need. That's what it's about. It's going to cost us money. It's going to take time. And it may cost us a lot of money. And it may take a lot of time. Listen, ministry isn't convenient. Listen, I'm just bearing my heart with you tonight. We want ministry and we want church in our lane. We want to do it at our time when it's convenient. Listen, churches across the country are adjusting their service times because it interferes with other activities. Listen, we need to be careful. Is, Is God the priority? Or is our schedule and our desires and our life what we were trying to accomplish the priority? Listen, it's, a, it's about God and, and serving Him. Listen, we are serve, I'm talking tonight about serving people, serving one another, serving our community, but it's as unto the Lord and not to men. And so we can't fit it in our box when it's convenient. Well... Those folks are doing that on this day and, well, that's just not going to work for my schedule. I'm not going to be there. Listen, adjust your schedule, change your things. change your. And listen, I understand there's times where we can't do that. But I'm afraid we can do it more often than we will. We need to be very careful about trying to fit church into our lives. Because church is not just 10 o'clock for Sunday school. 11 o'clock. Listen, we are the church. We're the assembly. It's about serving and ministering and laboring together for Christ. Throw your calendar out the window when it comes to ministry. And I, listen, I, I'm trying not to meddle tonight, but the church calendar should dictate your calendar. And I say that with a clear conscience knowing that as the best I could in my life and in our family, you can ask my son, he's right there. I have ordered our life around the calendar of the churches that we've attended. And I'm not saying that because we're somebody. I'm just saying that because the Lord gave me grace and and I made that decision years ago. But I will tell you this, God has never failed to bless for it. There were times that it wasn't convenient for me to go to church. But I said, you know what, I'm going to be there anyway. And I stayed up all night doing a stupid homework assignment for the Air Force. And I lost sleep, but you know what? Every time one of those things happened in my life, I could see along the way how God just blessed it in such a great way. It was unbelievable because I made God the priority. Listen, if God's like, do you believe verse sixteen that God brought us here? I don't. I'm, there's no way we're getting through this tonight. Listen, that God is packing us together and joining this thing together. If God's doing it, who are you, why are you resisting it? Listen, and if you're questioning whether you should be here or not, you need to get alone with God and say, God, what's going on here? Listen, I don't believe God's playing games with this thing called church. Is Christ your priority? If so, the church should be your priority. Not because you like everybody here. Listen, I'm not best friends with everybody here. I'm not even best friends with Caleb. (laughs) And I live with him. Listen, I'm trying to lighten it up because you guys seem a little stiff tonight. But listen, the reality is, listen, we have to love one another and exhort and encourage one another. It doesn't mean we have to spend every waking moment with each other. But we ought to have the best interests of everybody in this room in mind we can go a million ways you got to be praying for people we, there's so much stuff I just want to consider three thoughts tonight that was all introduction by the way so we're going to close by considering a couple of practical thoughts we are called into a life of serving others I mentioned this earlier we're created unto good works but if you want you can turn to John chapter 13 we're going to look at a few verses here John 13, verses 3 through 5, it says, Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hands. You get that? Given all things into his hands. And he was come from God and went to God. Look what it says. So, listen, God has given him everything. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he girded him, he was girded. This passage really goes to the heart of what biblical serving is. Jesus knows that God the Father has given all of authority in heaven and earth, and His response is to take a, His robe off and to gird Himself with a towel and to begin to wash the disciples' feet. Remember, I opened with Philippians 2, He took upon the form of a servant, but it says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. So we ought to have the mind of a servant. We ought to be willing to gird ourselves and wash people's feet. Listen, this is a tall order for me because I hate feet. You rarely see me without socks on. I don't even like my own feet. (laughs) And I got some funky feet. That's probably the reason, but... um, Listen, Christ is doing one of the lowest jobs, the job no one else wanted to do. Nobody had done it. If you're familiar with the passage, they were in there. No servant of the house had come. None of the other disciples subjected themselves to being a servant uh, to take care of this. Listen, in our minds, power usually has the opposite effect on us. We get a little power, and it gets to our head, and we want to be served. But to Jesus, power and serving went together. The higher he was exalted, the lower he stooped to serve others. He lowered himself. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Listen, he lowered himself to the cross. Really a criminal's death. The Savior of the world. The creator of the world. God himself. A criminal's death to save you from your sins. That you might be reconciled to the Father. Listen, Jesus' heart was not to serve until he got power and authority. The more power and authority that was revealed about him, the more we see him move to service. He was a servant. If you want to skip down in John chapter 13... To verses 12 through 15, and he calls us to follow his footsteps. This is what the Savior says. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments as was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, uh, your Lord <clears throat> and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Listen, the Lord calls us to lay down our pride and to take up the towel and serve others. This really is the heart of service. Listen, be willing to do the menial things, the lowest things. Uh, You know, anybody that's been around church long enough, uh, people come into the church right away and they want to serve, but they really don't want to serve. They don't have a heart for people. They just want a position. They just want a position of prominence or or some notable thing to be said about them. And uh, listen, we need to serve out of a heart for people. Christ wants us not just to imitate action, but to imitate his heart on the matter. Listen, he, he was a servant. Philippians 2 5 through 8, there leaves no question. Listen, serving others is God's path to a great life. This surprises many, but God wants you to have a great life. There's those out there that, oh boy, it's just all about rules and regulations and boy. But the reality is, God wants you to have a great and abundant life. Uh, But that great and abundant life, as He describes it, how would you describe a great life? I think that's the conflict. What we think a great life is versus what God defines as a great life. Maybe you think a great life is when you uh, have everything you want. Maybe it's you can do whatever you want. Maybe life, everything in life comes easy. There's little hardship. Boy, that sounds like a great life. Is a great life when you have a lot of money or when you do something that causes your name to be remembered? In our old church building back when I went to high school, there was an older part of the church. And, and, they, and I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with this, but there were bricks in the church, and they had people's names on them because they had given. And, and, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if that's what you're holding on to, boy, brother, there's a lot more significance in service than that, Amen. than remembering that you paid for that brick on the wall. <laughs> I think it's going to crumble one day and it ain't going to mean a lick of nothing. Listen, there's always something inside of us that, that wants to bend in everything into around ourselves. We just want it to be all about ourselves. And so when sin really gets done, our concept of a great life invariably leads to us thinking uh, everything's really focused on ourselves. Uh, a life lived for self rather than for God and for others. But Matthew 20 Gives us an idea of what a great life is. <clears throat> Matthew twenty, verses twenty five through twenty seven. But Jesus called unto them, unto him, and said, You know that the prince of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they are great or and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. This is the Lord speaking to his disciples, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him be the one that serves. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Listen, the Lord says those that are going to be great are the ones that serve, those that are ministering. So I would say Jesus says the path to a great life is serving others. I don't think that he means if we serve others that one day uh, (laughs) we'll be I think we'll hear the, well done, thou good and great uh, faithful servant, but that really isn't our focus. Um, You think in heaven, when you arrive, I'll I'll finish here soon, if you bear with me, I'll maybe keep you a couple extra minutes, but you think when you arrive in heaven, the Lord's going to say, whoa, wait a second, wait a second, everybody hold up. We got Justin coming. Boy, he's been a faithful servant. Would everybody give him a round of applause? I know you all are here worshiping me and, and serving me. I don't think it's going to play out that way. I think we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's probably going to be about it. Because we've done that, which is our duty to do. Sometimes we get this idea that our service is something great and, and notable and important. And we even recognize humanly. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying anything of, of that nature is wrong necessarily. But we're far too focused on what we're getting out of this thing. Over the last several months as I've been around the church, I get a little different glimpse of what takes place. And I won't mention a single name tonight, but I'll tell you what, there's some servants in our midst. I see people here for hours, day in and day out, week, months, serving, and nobody here on a Sunday has a clue what took place. No idea. They just show up and everything's in its place and everything's orderly and nice and neat and nobody gives even a second thought to those that were serving behind the scenes in obscurity. And they don't care. They're not looking for somebody to point them out and highlight what they've done or accomplished for the church. They're doing it because they have a servant's heart. They're doing it as unto the Lord. I think we need to be far less concerned with what people think about us and far more concerned with what our Savior thinks about our service. Listen, if you go home tonight and you're content that you're, you're right with God and that you're, your, your level of service is pleasing to Him, praise God. But the more I serve and the more I do, the more I realize how lazy I was before. Listen, I think every single one of us would have to admit we have opportunity or place for improvement. Listen, the the great life takes that inward focus and bends it outward uh, in service of others. It pays off, or its payoff is not that we are applauded and exalted. The payoff is the joy of being useful to our master and serving others. There is nothing like the joy and contentment knowing that you've done a good job and it's something that you know God led you to do. I don't even, I can't express it in words, just the the great peace that you have knowing that, boy, you're in the place of service that God has called you to and that God has you doing and you're just so, you can just rest content because you know you're right where God wants you. What a blessing. I've showed you all things how that so laboring, ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, I'll, I'll, i i got to wrap this up, but serving others is God's path to a great life. You won't go wrong doing it. Listen, God can do amazing things in, our, in the church when every part does its part. You were important. When we combined our graces, verse 7, he says, But unto every one of us is given grace. When we, when we combine our graces, when we combine our talents, when we combine those blessings that God's given to us individually, boy, we can do something great for the cause of Christ. Boy, we'll be, there will be health and growth, uh, speaking truth, love and maturing. Uh, listen, Christ is formed in us, uh, not from any one or two people, but by the really the the collective efforts of all of us playing together or working together or serving together, each part doing its part. Listen, it's the beauty of God's plan. He's designed it that way. So listen, if you're not doing your part, and I'm not here to tell you you're not, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will do that. But if you're not doing your part, you need to get involved because you're hindering the rest of us that are trying to do 100%. I hope that makes sense tonight. Listen, we must understand that God causes the growth in the church. But in verse 16, it says that it is every part doing its part that causes the growth. God causes it, but he uses us to do it. And we don't measure growth by the size of buildings or the budget. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, uh, with large buildings and, and large budgets. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, uh, let's allow God to do the increasing. Just do your part. That's all you need to focus on. And we can trust God's word that the growth will happen as we all do our part. Listen, the growth God's interested in is measured by the people that we touch and in the lives that are transformed by His grace. Those saved by the power of Christ's blood shed for them. Lives and marriages and children who are growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lonely people who find love, hurting people who find healing, hardened hearts that are melted by grace and broken lives that are put back together by mercy. A church body that rather than tearing itself down in division is building itself up in love because we're all doing our part. What a glorious, listen, what, And the Lord knew what He was doing when He designed this thing. What a blessing. So part of our focus ought to be to help people move from attenders to contributors. From served to serving. Not because we're desperate for volunteers, but because it's a necessary part of the maturing process. We're encouraging and strengthening one another, and we're growing in Christ together. And so tonight I'm going to close. I got three things. Ask God to give you his heart to serve. Ask God to give you a servant's heart. I have a pile of notes under that one, but we're going to move on. Listen, figure out what you love and are good at. What do you enjoy doing? How can you do that in the body to help the church go forward for Christ? And lastly, get involved. Get involved. Listen tonight, saved people serve people. Let's pray.